you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Now, today's guest is a guest that we've had on before. I'm sure that you would have found her first chat interesting, Tanya Mitten, and she's been very busy. She's been travelling to Germany. She's been teaching over there. She's been teaching in Tasmania, Victoria, and in between all of that, she's also written a book. So we're going to talk to her about her book today and also 10 tips on how to improve your seat and influence when riding your horse. How are you, Tanya? I'm very well, Glennis. Thank Wonderful. you. Yeah, very good to talk to you too. And I know you've been busy. You've just sort of got off teaching a lesson now. So tell us a little bit about why you've written this book, you know, because you go out and do clinics. Is it as a, a backup to what you teach or have you been asked about it? I mean, what, what inspired you? What brought this on? Mm, it's definitely as a backup and as a reference for riders that they can go to the book and, you know, read read all the things we've done in the clinic because mm-hmm. generally I do two-day clinics and, you know, we cover quite a lot of content there in terms of the rider position and how we influence our horses. So it can often be quite overwhelming after two days and that's basically where the book comes in and how it has developed is so that riders can get back to the book read a lot of the things we've gone through in the clinic mm-hmm. and take their time in working through that. All right. All right. Now, I know that you place a lot of emphasis on the breathing. So breathing mm-hmm. to relax yourself, relax your horse. And, you know, yeah. you talk about when you're tense, your body's tense, but can you go into a bit more detail here and talk about breathing, talk about relaxation, talk about, you know, the reflection and getting your body out of that tense mode? Yeah, Absolutely. But the breathing is one of the most crucial things when it comes to riding. And because breathing is, you know, so normal and so natural to us and we do it all day, every day, we often don't pay enough attention to the breathing. So every lesson, every clinic, I start off with the breathing. Mm -hmm. And first of all, You know, I want to make riders aware of their breathing. And when I say the awareness of the breathing, in our, you know, let's call it our modern day living, um, you know, we are so, so much under stress and so much under, you know, time pressure, performance pressure. The first thing that happens with that is that our breathing changes. And most people now tend to breathe shallow, Mm -hmm. which means that they take far bigger breaths in than out. 
and that creates a huge amount of tension within the body. So, you know, what I see so commonly is that riders are very tense through the jaw. And, you know, you might have heard that as well, that, you know, often often riders sort of say, gosh, you know, I go to a competition and I get these beautiful photos back and I've got mm-hmm. like this really... Yes, intense look, yes. <laughs> Horses yeah, going beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and that's often, you know, the first sign of having shallow breathing mm-hmm. because the jaw becomes very tense. That tension then flows on through the neck, through the shoulders, that affects our arms and therefore the contact we have to the bit. But also the tension comes down through the rest of the body, often creating a hollowness in the lower back, a tension and a tightness in the hips. And that has a a huge blocking effect on the horse's body, particularly the ribcage. So, you know, what I get riders to do is to focus on the breath out. Okay. Yep. Yep. That becomes really important. And I generally start off asking riders to just let go of a sigh. And, you know, the sigh I call like your Friday afternoon, five o'clock <laughs> wine time moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, yeah. most of us can relate to that where we go, sure. oh, thank God the week is over and we start to relax. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the way you've explained it with the breathing there, it's not just relaxing, it's going right through your whole body. So I can see the um, mm. see the reference there. Now, mm. we, we talk about engaging the core. Now, we hear that a lot, you know, like your core to help with your riding, but the inner core and the outer core. Tell us the mm-hmm. difference and which one we need when we're riding. Sure. Um You know, as you said so rightly, like we talk a lot about the core and generally we just mention core. Mm. So most riders, when you talk about the core, they go to the outer core muscles, so the abdominal muscles, and that's the ones we use for strength exercises and, for example, for sit-ups. But that's not the core we want to use predominantly when riding. So... The inner core, which is more the pelvic floor muscle, and that is is sort of located in the area below your belly button. So the reason for using the inner core is that we want to bring the pelvis back into a rotation that relaxes the lower back and lifts the pubic bone slightly up. Mm -hmm. Okay, yep. And that becomes really important. So those inner core muscles are a lot more subtle when we engage them than the outer core muscles. Because again, when you think of your breathing, you know, what do you generally do when you do sit-ups? You know, we start holding our breath. Yeah. And we do crunches. Yeah. Where when we lift the pubic bone up and engage those inner core muscles, we do that on an outward breath. So that's, for example, where the martial arts use a lot of inner core muscles to stabilize and balance their bodies. And Mm -hmm. that's all Mm -hmm. done on an outward breath. Okay. 
Okay. Now, another thing that, you know, we talk about relaxing the lower back, but I know that the hollow lower back is is not good. Talk to us mm. as you usually do because you've got so much depth of knowledge here. You know, it's not just a bit of a throwaway line about relaxing your lower back. Tell us in depth why we need to relax our lower back and how that can affect our riding. Mm. Well, one of the main reasons to relax the lower back is because that's directly connected to our hips and our pelvis position. Mm -hmm. So when the lower back is hollow, it means that the pubic bone has tipped down and the rider is in a position where they have, you know, what we commonly use, a duck back. So, you know, the, the pelvis kind of sticks out at the back, the bum sticks out the back, and we get tipped forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we engage that lower or inner core muscle and that lifts the pubic bone up, you automatically see a change in the pelvis position. So the pelvis goes from the extension that happens when we've got a duck back yep. to a rotation. So the pelvis comes kind of underneath you and that relaxes the lower back and takes the hollowness out of the lower back. Okay. And so then the pelvis is more open and more relaxed and we can follow the horse's movement and go with the swing of the horse's back. All right, all right. Now, can you talk about the pelvic being the connection point between the horse and rider, but what if the rider's stiff and tight How does that affect the horse? Well, we block the horse. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when we sort of consider that we are sitting on the horse's ribcage. Now, I often sort of, you know, explain it to riders in a way that I say to them, like, if you have a jumping vest on or if you wear a really tight jacket, it restricts your breathing and it makes you feel pain. Mm-hmm. And often the first thing you do when you take that jumping vest off is you let go of a big sigh because you expand your ribcage and you feel like you can actually start to move again. Now, okay. the same thing happens when we restrict the horse's ribcage. The first thing, when our thighs get really tight and we block the we block that natural side-to-side wing of the ribcage mm-hmm. like you can see when you watch a horse walk or trot away from you that the ribcage moves from side to side now the tighter we are the more we restrict and block that movement and so that has a, an effect on the horse's posture as well as the movement and, you know, in, in our riding and training, we talk a lot about top line. Yes. Top line means, you know, that the back becomes stronger. Now, the back can only become stronger when the horse is using his abdominal muscle to lift up through the ribcage and to relax the neck as it lifts the back. Mm-hmm. Now... Mm-hmm. Those are things we work on in our groundwork, um, you know, in specific lunging exercises. And in the riding and in the training, I find that we don't pay enough attention to how much the rider's seat actually affects the way that the horse can move his body. 
particular the back. Okay. Okay. Now, what about the thighs? How should they be on the horse? The thighs need to be soft and Mm non-restricting. Now, when I give lessons, I, I talk about the thigh being loose. Now, loose is a slight over-exaggeration. The reason I talk about the thigh being loose and open is because I found that the majority of riders are too tight. And when they think of their thigh being sort of relaxed and soft, it's still way too tight. Okay. So. I find I often have to take it to the extreme and say to riders, just feel what it's like when you actually roll the knee off the saddle. Mm -hmm. Now, eventually, I don't want riders to ride around rolling the knee off, but sometimes we need to go to that extreme for riders to even feel, you know, how tight they are or how much they grip. Yes, yes, I understand that. Mm. So good exercises are to simply, you know, when you sit on your horse, is to roll the knees off. It's to lift the thighs off the saddle and see how much you can rotate your hips open and how much you can actually lift your thighs momentarily off the saddle that there's a little bit of a gap. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. What about, you know, just going down a bit further, the calf? How should the calf be on the horse? Well, you'll find that if the thigh is tight, automatically the knee rolls in and then the calf comes off the the um, horse. Mm-hmm. And a lot of riders complain that their lower leg flaps around and is unsteady. And that's where that comes from because they're too tight in the thigh. So when the thigh has opened and relaxed, your calf will automatically connect to the side of the horse. And we then have the calf in a position where the horse can feel the calf. We are in constant kind of communication, if you like. But we can also use the calf to encourage the horse to use their abdominal muscles And now because the thigh is softer, we encourage the horses to use those abdominal muscles to lift up through the back and lifting the ribcage, which, as we said before, is then starting to develop that top line that we look for. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. So we've talked about the pelvis, the thighs, the calf. What about the feet or the toes? I mean, you know, where do the toes fit in line with the ball of the foot? Where should it be? Well, the toe needs to be, again, slightly out. Slightly out means that you can feel the full stirrup with the ball of your foot Mm -hmm. because you know, I think we all have memories from, you know, way back when we've been told, you know, keep your toes straight. Yes, now, or toes in. Know, some, you know, I mean, look, yeah, in yes, in. yes. Yeah. Yep. So what happens when you bring your toes straight or in, if you feel the stirrup, you'll notice that you've rolled on the outside of your foot 
in the inside of your foot in the stirrup has actually come off the stirrup, so it's lifted up. Now, in that position, you're going to start to do some damage to your ankle at some point Mm -hmm. because that creates a whole heap of tension on the outside of your ankle. Plus, in that position, your calf becomes very ineffective because there is no stability in the calf due to that rotation of the ankle. And you find that your leg probably starts to flap around again. Okay. Okay. Bring the foot slightly out. Let the toes come slightly out. And you know you're in the correct position when you feel the full stirrup bar underneath the whole um, bottom of your um, of your foot, the ball of your foot. Yep, yep, okay. What about the upper body? What about, you know, where should the head be? Where should the shoulders be? Well, the head is one of those areas that we now see a lot more positional issues since we've all got, you know, mobile phones and we work on computers. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, you know, because now in particular in our kids and teenagers, we see more and more of forward head position. And, you know, we all know what it's like when we look down, when the head comes forward, it tips the upper body forward. You know, the head weighs approximately seven kilos. That's a a lot. And if that head is too far forward, it throws out your whole balance, tips you forward, blocks the pelvis, you know, affects the whole rest of the body again. Yeah. So the head needs to be above your shoulders. And an easy exercise that you can do with that is if you bring your chin back to the point where you make a double chin, so bring it as bring your head back with your chin tucked in as far as you can and you feel tension in the back of the neck then. Then do the opposite and stretch your head as far forward as you can and you also feel tension in the neck. And then start to reduce those two movements until you find the perfect middle, the perfect balance in between. Yeah. And if you have a look, You know, if you have a look in a mirror, you'll find that your head will start to sit above the shoulders where the the weight of your head is supported by your spine and by the body underneath it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like the way that you get people to exaggerate and then to feel, you know, not just this is the way it's got to be, but exaggerate it, feel the tension, come back and then exaggerate it the other way and then, you know, find yourself in the mirror. So it sort of gives people the opportunity to explore. So that's good. What about the eyes? Where should they be? The eyes need to be, you know, looking and focusing ahead. Mm-hmm. And again, the eye position has a lot to do with your head position. So, you know, if if you've been a rider, um, you know, for our listeners, like if you've been a rider who's constantly been told in lessons and by your instructors, you know, lift your eyes, look up, look up, check where your head is first. Okay. The chances you might have a forward head position that then automatically draws your eyes down to the ground. Mm -hmm. 
When you correct your head position, you'll find that your eyes are automatically starting to focus more straight ahead where we want them to be. Okay, good. Good. We've sort of talked about the body, the leg, you know, the upper body, the head. What about the hands, the arms, the hands? What can you tell us there that's going to make us, because it's all relevant, you know, we're still talking about improving our seat and influence when we're riding the horse, but what about our arms and hands? What can you tell us there? Mm. Look, they're really important because we communicate through the rain. Now, a lot of times riders I see, again, talking about the two opposites, I see riders who either make a really tight fist, and as they make a really tight fist, they brace through the arm, they block through the arm, and they start pulling back because mm-hmm. their their elbow and shoulders get really tight. Or often the other extreme is that they have no closed fists at all and the hands are just open and so, you know, they constantly lose the rein or the horse constantly pulls the rein out of their hand. Okay. So again, we know we don't want either. We don't want to have a tight fist. We don't want to throw the rein away and have a totally open fist. Mm. What we want to do, so the critical part to not get pulley in the hand and and ending up kind of having a tug of war and constantly pulling back is to focus on your three smaller fingers. So your ring finger um, or your little finger, your ring finger um, and the little one. Yep. So those three fingers, when they get tight, they affect the elbow and they start to pull back. Okay. What we want to do is we want to close those fingers around the rein that we can feel the rein, but we have to be careful not to grip. Mm-hmm. Where you hold your contact is by pushing the thumb down onto the rein and pinning the rein between your thumb and your index finger. So for our listeners, like you can do that, um, you know, even without sitting on the horse, just grip your three lower fingers and feel how that affects your elbow and how the whole arm then becomes tense and starts to pull back. Mm-hmm. And then if you relax those three fingers and you make a very soft, closed fist, but not putting pressure on it, so you just close your fingers And now take your thumb, place the thumb on top of the index finger and push the thumb down. So you feel that now your elbow and your shoulders are still soft and relaxed and you still have give in your arm. Yep. So now you can control the the contact, but there is still a softening effect of the arm. And that's really the ideal way to have a contact to the rain. Okay. Okay. I think, you know, as usual, you don't just say do it, you explore it. Not just explain it, you explore, you know, try it this way, try it this way, and then you'll see that this way works. Yeah. So, so much about riding is about feel. Yes. And, you know, I think we have to feel it and then we can relate to what it is we have to do. 
um, far better than just being told, you know, do this and do that. And, and we don't develop the feel for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking about your book, Tanya. Then what's the name of your book? The book is called It Takes Two to Tango. Sounds <laughs> good. good. It's a good book. Yeah. yeah. Good name, great mm. name. Now, because a lot of this information is in the book, you know, and if people yeah. would like to, it's great to listen, it's great to look over our notes, but our notes are nowhere, anywhere near in depth. As yeah. um, and even what you've talked about today, you know, you've given us a lot of information and a fair bit of depth. But I think to purchase this book, how can they do it the best? What's the best way? If you've got a website or Amazon, or how can they get one? Um, look, the best way is through my website, yes, which is tanyamitten.com. Mm-hmm. Um, the book is on Amazon as well, but through the website, particularly in Australia, you, sure. you get it quicker. And the other thing is, too, those details will be on your page on Horse Chats, which will be horsechats.com. Just go to horsechats.com and I think search for Tanya or just search. It's T-A-N-J-A or M-I-T-T-O-N and uh, we'll be able to give you the link then to, um, to purchase that book. That's really good. I think, you know, lots of information that you've given us and there's so much more that you've got to give us. So I hope to see you again soon. And um, for those people that are purchasing the book, I'm sure that you'll enjoy it. I'm sure that you'll enjoy all the information that Tanya's given you within the podcast, but even more so within the book. So thank you, Tanya. Thanks for coming today. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below. 